You are listening to episode 80, Fertile Minds Radio, and I'm your host, Hillary Talbot Roland. And we ended up, without having to use the money from that fundraiser, we ended up saving up and paying for IVF in cash. Wow. So then we went and did our second, yeah, our second IVF cycle in like July, August, and we transferred two embryos on day three, and I ended up not getting pregnant. And then I had that failed cycle, and then I started my next cycle with that, and I ended up getting pregnant on my own. So we have a now two-year-old little boy who is very active and very independent, and we are still gung-ho on the foundation yeah. Such an amazing story. Thank you for sharing. I know that that's such a vulnerable thing to to come on a podcast and just kind of tell the world about your struggles around infertility. But I think it really uh, speaks to that loneliness piece, which is why I do this podcast, because, you know, I understand that a lot of my patients and clients are in some of like the most lonely positions in life that they'll ever be. And I think that it's really important that we hear each other's stories and understand that you're not alone in this and that there are similar things happening every day to people around you, maybe even people you're close to and you don't necessarily know because we're so scared to share this type of information. If you're looking for holistic wisdom and a plan to reclaim your fertility to help you create a healthy family for generations to come, you're in the right place. This is Fertile Minds Radio. That excerpt that you heard was our guest today, Teddy Palmer. She's a wife, a mom, and an infertility survivor, and a fur mama. She's active in the infertility community by running an infertility-related blog and running an Etsy shop where you can get some awesome infertility apparel. And she also serves as a board member for the nonprofit organization, the Hope for Fertility Foundation, that she and her husband created. If you've ever found yourself wondering how you're ever going to afford IVF, I encourage you to have a listen. We talked about Teddy's journey and her experience of how difficult it was to find the funding needed for IVF, which then turned into her very own foundation to help other couples that were struggling like she and her husband were. So have a listen. You just might be the next person that receives a grant just like this one. Welcome back to Fertile Minds Radio. I'm here with our special guest, Teddy Palmer. She's a wife, a mom, an infertility survivor, and a fur mama of two. She's active in the infertility community by running an infertility-related blog. She also runs an Etsy shop selling infertility awareness apparel, which you have to check out in the show notes. Uh, I'll make sure that the link is there in episode 79. I can't wait for my one in eight shirt to arrive. And she also serves as a board member for the nonprofit organization, the Hope for Fertility Foundation. And that's what we're going to talk about mostly today is about her journey through infertility and how it brought her to this career of service and basically helping to raise awareness and funds for those that are struggling with infertility. So welcome to the show, Teddy. I'm so happy to have you on. Yes, I'm so happy to be here, Hillary. So I know that you are a busy mom. You've got a toddler, but why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your journey so that they can connect with you in terms of uh, what you went through to have him on this planet with you. So it, you know, it started out any journey. We got married and waited a couple of years to start trying to get pregnant. 
Um, we went a couple of years after that and still hadn't gotten pregnant yet. We got my fertility testing done and found out that my husband has low sperm count. In the back of my head, I kind of felt like there was something, there had to be another reason why we were struggling with infertility, not just him. I felt like there was something wrong with me, though my labs came back normal and great. Um, we did three IUIs with our OB and they we didn't get pregnant as a result of that. After after those all failed, we kind of waited a couple of years. We were broke and we didn't have any money to start fertility treatments. I actually didn't even know where to go. I felt so alone. And then in late 2014, I started a blog, Running with Infertility, and then started posting on Instagram and found a huge community of other women struggling with infertility. Then in 2015, we we met with an RE and he he told us that I had low ovarian reserve and that Chase's sperm, they did, the, I believe it was called the Kroger test, where they kind of checked to see how well the sperm are performing. And they said they're swimming in circles, kind of making some progression, but not really. And then they said our best bet would be IVF. Um, so we switched clinics um, and went to somebody, went to a different clinic, and he kind of had more of a game plan for us. He said, well, let's try IUIs. Let's do three IUIs and then we'll meet if those, you know, if you get pregnant on that, great. If not, then we'll meet back here and discuss what's next. So then um, those three failed. I was also training during that time. I was training for a marathon, which I don't recommend. <laughs> that probably wasn't the best thing for me to do. Um, looking back, but I was bound and determined. Um, and I said that if I could run a marathon, I could probably go through IVF. So then we met back with him later that year in 2015 still. And um, he said, okay, let's do IVF. And I said, okay, that's great. Hold on. I um, signed up for a race called the Dopey Challenge. It's in Walt Disney World. You run four races in four days, a 5K, 10K, half, and full marathon on Sunday. And I didn't want to ruin our chances of getting pregnant. And so I said, is there a way that we could kind of work it out to where we could, so I could run the race and then start IVF or something like that. And so day, I think it was the second day, so the 10K, I started giving myself fertility shots. So I had to take them into the race with me. My friends that I was running with, they helped hide me. So people didn't, you know, I was worried that people were going to think that I was like this druggie giving myself shots right before <laughs> Right? Like blood doping or something? Like Lance Armstrong? <laughs> yeah, I mean, aside from that, I, I live in Utah and we were in Florida. So I'm, I was already training at a higher elevation. And so going down to sea level, I felt wonderful running. I didn't have any problems. But anyway, so we started IVF. 
I got back. Then we started doing like ultrasound, the, you know, the focal scans. And then we ended up with eight embryos. Six were mature and six were fertilized. And then by day five, we only ended up with two left. Um, And so we transferred those two, did a fresh transfer. Um, I got pregnant. Um, My beta went up to about 106, I believe. And then it decreased. And so I was having a miscarriage. And so after that, and I will say, I found out with my work that they covered up to $5,000 lifetime of fertility treatments. And so it really worked in my favor doing this IVF cycle because they were switching insurances. So they're switching from Cigna to Blue Cross Blue Shield. And so I was able to get my fertility meds covered in December of 2015. And then we started IVF in 2016. And we used all of that 5000 that they they had given me. So Cigna paid for the meds and then Blue Cross paid for all of the rest of IVF of that cycle. So um, after that, that cycle failed, we met back with our RE and he said, okay, let's, let's put you on Depolupron. Um, which basically puts you through medicated menopause. So I didn't have any hormones. I was really depressed during these three months um, that I was on it. And so then during that time, um, we decided we were going to start fundraising. And the only way that businesses would donate, because we we're going to have like a silent auction, a bake sale, a huge yard sale. And the only way that businesses would donate is if you were a nonprofit. And so I fully give this one to Chase. Chase was the one who wanted to start a nonprofit. And I guess I was on board. But I don't really remember because, like I said, I was on Depolupron and I felt like I wasn't necessarily in my right mind. I could tell that something, this medication was really messing with me mentally. So anyways, we started the nonprofit and with starting the nonprofit, um, we switched gears and we, so everything was going towards the foundation and with that, on our end, we were saving up for IVF because we didn't want to go into debt. We didn't want to take out a loan. My thought was, well, if I'm going to take out all of this money, get a loan for this and have this cycle fail, it's going to be a bitter payment every time I have to make this payment. I don't want to do that. I just want to pay with it in cash. So we started um, saving up for IVF on the side. And we ended up without having to use the money from that fundraiser, we ended up saving up and paying for IVF in cash. So then we went and did our second second IVF cycle in like July, August, and we transferred two embryos on day three. And I ended up not getting pregnant. And then I had that failed cycle. And then I started my next cycle with that. And I ended up getting pregnant on my own. So we have a now two-year-old little boy who is very active and very independent. And we are still gung-ho on the foundation. 
Yeah. Such an amazing story. Thank you for sharing. I know that that's such a vulnerable thing to, to come on a podcast and just kind of tell the world about your struggles around infertility. But I think it really uh, speaks to that loneliness piece, which is why I do this podcast, because, you know, I understand that a lot of my patients and clients are in some of like the most lonely positions in life that they'll ever be. And I think that it's really important that we hear each other's stories and understand that you're not alone in this and that there are similar things happening every day to people around you, maybe even people you're close to and you don't necessarily know because we're so scared to share this type of information. Yeah. I think it's so wonderful. There's so many pieces of your story that I love, like A, that you just kept going with life. Like you had your goals and, you know, running a marathon. I've run a marathon. I ran Disney. That was a, were you in the, like the mass of people at four o'clock in the morning injecting? Cause if you were like, that's just like, I can't even imagine because <laughs> yeah. they corral well, you yeah. so early. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I had to figure out the timing and everything and yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a huge thing. Cause I see so many people put their life off right until they're pregnant or we'll do it after the baby from vacations to life goals, to career changes. And I love that you just kept going with like, no, this is for me. This is actually going to build my confidence. Um, it's going to allow me to, to muster the strength to, to carry through. And not only did you end up getting pregnant on your own, but to go on and start a foundation to help others is it's just pretty impressive. Like it tells me a lot about your drive. So when I was looking on your website, you guys have funded what $64,000 so far that you've raised for other people and their IVF and adoption. Is that correct? Yes. That's huge. Yeah. We've given away 17 grants in the past four years. So the first year we gave, we give away one and that couple just had their babies in June. Um, they waited a little bit longer to go through embryo transfer. And then um, from our grant cycle last year, we have one baby on the way. I think she's due this month in August. Um, and then we had another couple. She just gave birth to two twin, twin girls. So they put in one embryo and it's and so they ended up with twins. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I haven't posted that on our social media yet, but I will be posting that in the next couple of weeks when they finally get to take their babies home. So one of the things you mentioned too that I found that I, I didn't know until I started this podcast was how how amazing the fertility tribe on Instagram is. Like there are so many women out there sharing their story, I guess not just women, but couples, but in supporting one another. And I just, you know, social media gets such a bad rap, but I feel like this is one of those things where it's like, no, there can be so much good that comes out of this, being able to support perfect strangers on the other side of the planet and help somebody not feel as lonely. Do you find that in your community on Instagram? Yes, I do. That was I found another, there was a couple other girls, one of them out in Texas, and she was struggling along with me. I don't know. I think she did IVF. Yeah, she did IVF. And then she did an IUI and she got pregnant. And then shortly after, like a couple months later, I got pregnant. So it was, yeah, it's fun to to see our journeys 
um, even getting pregnant. I know a lot of times, well, I felt like this in my journey. Um, so once I did get pregnant, I felt like I wasn't a part of the infertility community anymore. And I kind of was in limbo because I didn't feel like I was necessarily pregnant. I was worried about the pregnancy. I was worried that I would miscarry all of these worries. And, um, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to share cause I felt, I, I felt bad like, why, why am I pregnant and not the other, you know, 50 million? I'm totally over-exaggerating. But, like, why not all of these women who are going to be great mothers? Why am I lucky enough to get pregnant and they're still struggling? So that that was really hard for me. And I dealt with that through pretty much my entire pregnancy with our son um, and it wasn't until afterwards that I finally, like, I was okay with it. And I was back to being able to help other infertility sisters. Yeah, it's such a an ironic thing, right? That you feel so isolated from people because you don't want to hurt them, right? <laughs> and yeah, you're not alone because you've you've got a life growing inside of you, right? Like you're more occupied than you'll ever be, but you don't have the support that you have become accustomed to. And I think that that's a real challenge for a lot of women because they know how much it hurts to open up those fertility announcements or those those shower cards for babies and to just be wanting to be happy but not being able to be happy because you're just so devastated for a hot minute. Yeah. So when did you guys really kind of go full force with the Hope for Fertility Foundation? When did you see it start to speak, to pick up speed and really feel like this was kind of the, it kind of seems like this was the calling out of all of this, right? Like your struggles and your experience and your empathy had to kind of all be earned organically to be able to truly help other couples in this way. Was it after the baby came or before? It was kind of during. Um, so we had given away one grant and then we were trying to figure out what kind of fundraiser to do. And um, we kept praying. We're very... We, we pray for a lot of things, and um, that was one thing that we really focused on was saying, like, hey, how can we help move this foundation forward? You know, can we get the help that we need for this? And with that, we received private donors, um, several private donors, and that really helped move it forward. Um, and then just having a bunch of great volunteers that have helped us. That's, yeah, that's really (laughs) what has kind of helped move it along. So if spirituality is a, your faith is a big um, part of how you got through this, were there ever times where you were so distraught that you were questioning your faith? Because I've certainly seen this in some of uh, my clients as well, that they're just, they feel like they have a strong faith, but then they're just so devastated by a long fertility struggle that they start to question things. Do you feel like you fell into that group at all or did it strengthen your faith? No, I, I was in that group. <laughs> I kept 
questioning. I guess I hadn't really gone through any hard things um, growing up. And so it, it didn't really seem like I was going to go through anything hard. And then this happened and I started questioning my faith, you know, is, is, does God really want me to have a baby? Does, you know, is it, why, why is this happening to me? I'm, I'm faithful. I'm, you know, I'm trying to do all these right things and good things. Why is this happening to me? And the realization came that, you know what, everyone goes through really hard things. Um, you know, my mom's mom passed away when I was six months old. So she, you know, went through parenting without having any help, you know, um, there's other people that go through cancer. There's kids that go through cancer. So everyone, I feel everyone has a hard, something hard that they're going to have to deal through in life. And it's just realizing that that's a part of life. Um, but what really helped me was we were sitting in church and um, someone, they were talking about Christ's atonement um, and that he suffered through all the pains and afflictions, like everything that you would ever have gone through. And it just kind of hit me like, oh, he did. Like, he knows what I'm feeling. He knows exactly what I'm feeling. And all I need to do is just give it to him and say, I, you know, I can't deal with this anymore. I need you to take this burden from me. And though he didn't take the burden all the way off, he did help relieve some of the the pain that I was experiencing, and that helped a lot. And also, I started running too. So that was kind of the way that I coped with each failed cycle or each, you know, each failed month of not being pregnant. Well, those are two incredible ways to go about it. I mean, first, how beautiful that you can speak, you know, the exact moment when it happened. And to have felt some of that pressure and that pain lift. I think that's an incredible reminder to people that whatever your faith is that, you know, that that's available to you. Right. And then to be able to be pointed in the direction of the thing that, you know, being human, like something that you can do to actually make your physiology feel better. Though I will agree with you, not the greatest for fertility, especially in the luteal phase. (laughs) Um, But there is no like substitute for running, right? It just, it helps create so many feel good endorphins in your body. Yeah. I can't think of a a better physical medicine um, to do before the implantation window (laughs) in your cycle. I mean, hiking is great if you can go on a hike or a walk. I know it's not, for me, it was like that. I just felt good afterwards. I guess it was the runner's high Um, because I tried walking. They told me I could only walk during um, the two-week wait, and that was hard because I just, all of this anxiety was going through me and I just needed a way to like release all of that. And I could only, I only walked, but I love hiking now and really strength training is the other big thing that I've been into lately. So those are other good ways to get some, those feelings out. (laughs) 
right? <laughs> yeah, I joke with uh, my husband that because he'll, he'll ask me around so I'm like, why don't you run anymore? And I, you know, I, I will say because I'm not, I'm not as angry as I was when I was running marathons. <laughs> I was a really good runner when I was angry. <laughs> like even my yeah. kids know they see me strap on my shoes and it's dark out, and they're like, "Uh oh, somebody's in trouble." <laughs> <laughs> That's quite literally the only time they'll ever see me run now. Uh, yeah, there really isn't much of a, a substitute. And I, so many women go through that, right? They like they're exercising. They might even be like in the the best physical shape of their life if they as they've been like getting their body ready for fertility. And then if they have to go down an IVF path, and then all of a sudden they're told like, "Oh, hey, you have to stop exercising now." And it's like it's, it's so hard on your biochemically on your body, right? Like you don't have that, that stress outlet. Yoga is good. I like hot yoga for those women that like to sweat and run. Yeah. I do like hot yoga. So what are some of the ways that somebody can help your foundation? So if they're listening and say, you know, maybe they have the means or maybe they um, are fortunate and they have a, a care uh, insurance carrier like Cigna that's picking up uh, the full cost because I know there are some Cigna plans that do that and they feel compelled to help somebody that's part of your foundation. Uh, what's the process for that? So um, if they wanted to be a private donor... Um, all they would have to do is reach out to donate at hopeforfertility.org. And it's me, my husband, and then one other board member um, who take those and we just respond back to them. Um, but, yeah, we we are always in need of um, money donated. We also um, donated services such as IUIs, IVFs. Like printing stuff too, um, we could always use if they if they feel like they're not able to provide a monetary donation, so like money, if they're not able to give money, then we could always use volunteers. And you know, volunteering varies um, between you know one and five hours a week. It's not really um, that time commitment unless we're around a fundraiser. Um, or like gearing up for a fundraiser, then we put in more time and effort into that. But okay, so people could volunteer like their skill sets to help you with that fundraiser, maybe like web page design or graphic design or something like that. Yeah, and um, that or because we are gearing up for a fundraising event, um, we're going to do an online donation drive in October. October 14th through the 20th. And so even just sharing a post, liking a post, reposting, um, commenting, um, things like that are always helpful um, to us in getting, getting our foundation out there and so that way more and more people know about us. What's your, what is your event coming up in October? We're doing an online donation drive. Kind of like National Infertility Awareness Week does with their, how they change the hashtag every year to try and build awareness in the social media community. Is that kind of the, the goal? The goal for this is to just be our fundraiser. So in the past, we started doing movie fundraisers 
um, we would show popular movies. So we did Thor, um, Ragnarok, we did Fantastic Beasts, and then in April we did um, Avengers Endgame. And um, the local movie theater that we were working with, they unfortunately raised their prices, which we're really bummed about. And so it made it almost too expensive. Like we wanted it enough so that way we could get um, these infertility couples coming to our events because a lot of times people feel like they don't have enough money to go do stuff. And so we wanted to make it cheap enough that they could come and help and be able to support us like feel like they're making an impact and then the local fertility clinics actually would give a couple of like IVF cycles away or um, like $2,000 off a IVF cycle um, but because they raise the prices so much we're really bummed about it we had to stop doing it so we switched gears and we're doing an online donation drive and we're using the hashtag fundraise for fertility and so that will be October 14th through the 20th of this year. Um, and so we're just trying to get, right now we're just reaching out to companies and asking for um, things that we could possibly give away during that week. And then during that week, we're going to hit it hard and ask people to donate at least $5. Um, I know you can give up your, give up going out to eat you know, going out to lunch one day or giving up, you know, you're going to Starbucks one day. You can easily do that. And so... Right, because you're not um, supposed to drink coffee anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't drink coffee anyways, but, um, but yeah. So just give up something and donate $5 or more. And then we're, our goal is $20,000 to raise $20,000. That's awesome. So what I, cause I know our listeners will have this um, question in their minds if they're struggling to conceive, like what's the criteria for somebody to receive a grant from you guys? Well, how does that work? So we have three things that qualify people to receive a grant. They have to be a citizen or legal or permanent resident of the United States. And that it does include a green card. Um, they have to be diagnosed with infertility by a physician, and then they have to be legally married. So those are the, really the only qualifications that we have um, for people who want to apply for a grant. Um, and so, yeah, because it's the United States, we can't give to people outside of the United States, unfortunately, um, at this time. Okay. So... And then is that just on a first come first serve basis, kind of like a Pell Grant from the, like when you're going to college or is it um, like need based or anything extra that you guys take into consideration? Yeah. So we do it a little bit differently. We have two other um, foundations that are local to us that kind of do the same thing. There's bundled blessings and footsteps for fertility and they do more of a raffle drawing um, and, but we sit down, we have a little committee and the committee goes through each application and reviews it and they base it off of the financial needs, um, how long they've been struggling, um, a bunch of other, like how much they're, we kind of look to like 
debt to income ratio to see to see that need um, and then they pick and then um, the board decides the grant committee is separate so the board decides how much money we're able to give away but we gave away nine grants this last grant cycle and um, the grant cycles run from January 1st to May 1st so that's how long the application period is open. And then everyone will be notified by July 1st. We were able to get it done a little bit earlier but this year, but no later than July 1st on getting notified if you've been awarded a grant or not awarded a grant, unfortunately. So that's excellent. So people can kind of, I feel like this is maybe a, a backup plan because I think sometimes when the mind is occupied and thinks, like, okay, I have a plan B or a plan C. It takes a little bit of that stress or that pressure off and maybe even kind of contributes to that urban myth of like that you hear about so often of like, go adopt and then you'll get pregnant, right? Like if you're like, well, I'm going to just apply for this grant and, you know, maybe a, a year from now, if, if I still haven't gotten pregnant, that that'll be an opportunity that's available to me. I think that that's an excellent way to kind of free up some psychic space for yourself. Um, and thank you for mentioning those other two uh, foundations, because I, I feel like this is a kind of an emerging area that has a great need that a lot of people aren't even aware of that's happening out there. There are a lot of others. Um, and I know resolve.org's website, they have They've listed our foundation and they've listed other foundations too that offer um, grants to couples like Baby Quest and then I believe the Cade Foundation is another one. Excellent. Okay, so we'll make sure that we get all of those in the show notes too so that if you're listening and you're like, you know, driving your car or running or something, then you can just circle back around and have those at your fingertips because I think it's important to, to check out all of your avenues, right? Yeah. Definitely. So one of the things I found really interesting um, was that you guys even help with adoption too, right? If that's an area somebody wants to go into. Yes, we do. And we actually, one of our grants that we are grant recipients, not this year, not 2019, but last year, um, we, they were in the process, they were going to go the surrogacy route, but then they they switched and um, decided that they were going to do adoption. So, yes, we do cover adoption fees, but everything goes directly to the clinic or the adoption agency. It doesn't, like, so we can't pay for medications or anything like that, um, and we can't pay off your credit cards that, you know, you paid for fertility treatments on. Um, so that way we know that it's actually going to what it, supposed to go to. Um, right. That's perfectly that. understandable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And adoption is, you know, such a hot button topic in this community. Cause I feel like it's, it's one of those things that people say to you without realizing how it might hurt. Right. Like, well, why don't you just adopt? <laughs> and you're like, I just really want to have my own baby. <laughs> But I bring it up because it's a it's actually kind of near and dear to me because my husband is adopted and we actually found his entire biological family, his three half siblings uh, last year through 23andMe. So I've had this like kind of backseat observation of 
how lucky he was to have a great adoptive mother and a good life. And then to, on the backside of things, be reunited with his whole family, including his mother. So, um, I do think that, yeah, there's good parts to it. I think it kind of gets vilified, um, and something that we shut out of our psyche. We don't even want to hear because we just, you know, we want to make our own biological baby so bad, which is completely understandable. But I think that there can be a lot of greatness that comes out of adoption too. So happy that you guys help with that. If that's a, a choice that a couple makes. So since you've been at this for a few years, um, I'm wondering if you have any advice for people that are um, kind of considering maybe doing their own nonprofit in their geographical area. Um, you know, if what would you say to somebody that is like, yeah, I'll just, I'll make a nonprofit. <laughs> I'm sure you have some wisdom about what it takes. It takes a lot of work. So if you want to be, I've seen a lot of nonprofits and I'm using quotations here, nonprofits pop up, but they aren't um, tax exempt with the IRS. So any businesses that donate to them, they, this business doesn't get a tax they don't get a tax write-off for helping this so-called nonprofit. So you have to look, you have to get an IRS tax code. So you have to become a 501c3. And in order to do that, you have to have three board members. Um, so with Chase and I, because we're both on the board, we had to bring in two additional people because we had to be able to be outvoted. Right. So, and it takes, it takes a lot a lot of work, a lot of work. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other specific questions? Well, I just think that that's worth noting. Cause I think sometimes we, it's like a pie in the sky of like, yeah, I'll just do a nonprofit. And some of my friends that work, um, in nonprofit sex, I know are some of the hardest working underpaid people <laughs> I've ever met. Right. And it is their, like they're calling, you know, their, their intention to make the world a better place that really drives them because it is a lot of man hours and coordination. And, um, so I just, you know, I want to be clear cause I have seen some, I've been approached by a few that were not, um, 501 C's and just, you know, that, that I think that that's really important when you're donating too, because that, that lets you know that somebody has gone the extra step to be on the correct side of the law in order. And you know that there's probably a lot of integrity if they're willing to go through that in terms of how they're using the funds and who they're giving them to. So just, you know, whether you want to make a nonprofit yourself or you are considering donating to one, I think that those are important things to look for, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it does take a lot of work and it took a lot of work getting it up and running too. So thankfully, I feel like um, God was really with us when creating the foundation because things went a lot quicker than what they would have normally taken. So um, some stuff they said, so when applying for certain things, they said, well, expect to like, a month to six weeks and it was done within like a week or two. So I mean, love um, that when it's so serendipitous like that and you're like, of course this is God doing it. <laughs> it's too easy. And I did want to say um, that we are all like everyone on, 
that is a volunteer and a board member of our foundation, none of us get paid. Like everything that we do is volunteering. So we're, you know, taking away from our time with our family and friends and life to be able to help run this foundation. Um, I know there are other foundations that do have paid staff, but we wanted to make sure that there weren't any paid staff and that as much of the money that we bring in goes towards these couples. Well, I think that was our, that was very honorable. Thank you so much for the good work that you're doing. I think it's really important as infertility becomes really an epidemic on our planet. Um, and as we, search for ways to counteract that climbing costs of creating a family and helping humanity to continue on. I think the work that you're doing is just going to grow in importance. So please tell our listeners where they can find you um, on Instagram, Etsy, and your website as well, so that if they want to help and be a part of this movement, they can. Yeah. Um, so we are located, so I'll, I'll tell you the foundation first, and then I'm different. I'm separate from that. Um, okay. the foundation hope for fertility.org. Um, and you can find out everything that you want to know. You can read about our board members. You can make donations. Um, we're on Instagram. I love Instagram. And so we're on Instagram at, um, hope for fertility, H O P E F O R F E R T I L I T Y. Um, so that's all about the foundation. And then me, for me and my business, mine is runningwithinfertility.com. I have an Etsy store. It's runwithinfertility.etsy.com. Um, and you can check out all of my infertility apparel. Um, I do. I wanted to, when I started the shop, I wanted to help give back. So 10% of what I bring in. So every order, 10% of that goes to the foundation. That's awesome. It's Very my awesome. little. <laughs> it feels good, doesn't it? Like we do the same thing with um, our supplements when you order from the, our full script dispensary, because we do, you know, talk about the medical side of things. And I want people to know that we're not profiting off of the medical advice that we're giving you. So if you order supplements, not only do they come at a 20% discount, but then the 15% profit that remains goes to farmer's footprint, which is a regenerative um, farming movement in the United States to help um, replenish our soils and really ultimately affect the health of Americans for generations to come. And that's one of the big surprises that I think came for me in this business was doing that and just how good it feels to, to transfer that money to them every month. Um, cause it's, I feel like it's just compounded by all these other people's energies kind of contributing to it. So even small amounts make a big difference, right? Yes, they do. Yes. And if you're listening, her stuff in her shop is super cute. I can't wait to sport my t-shirt that I just bought from you on Instagram. So <laughs> check it out, especially if you're going through an IVF uh, cycle, or if you just need a little bit of remembering with some ins inspiration. I loved the, I can do hard things shirt that you had on there too. I might circle back around for that one. <laughs> so that one, I, I do want to say the reason that I, um, I, I started running and I 
you know, with in going through infertility and that thing has always stuck with me. And so I thought I need to just write this on a shirt and start selling it. So it is one of my most popular shirts is I can do hard things. Love it. For sure. Yes. Nothing really much harder than IVF except maybe parenting. (laughs) So (laughs) at times, not all the time, not to scare you, just sometimes. (laughs) Right. But it's, but it's good. I feel like it's really good. Yes. No, it's a, a blessing and an honor for sure to be able to guide tiny humans on our planet for sure. So thank you again so much for your time and what you're contributing to the world and to our community. Um, I think it's going to have lasting effects more than you can even perceive now. So Thanks for coming on and thank you to our listeners. Your time is your most valuable asset and we appreciate you sharing it with us. And we hope that you will spread the word about Hope for Fertility Foundation and do what you can to help a sister out. Bye for now. Bye. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, I invite you to become part of the Fertile Minds Collective. It's my monthly coaching program where we take all of this material and we fine tune it to your unique fertility journey. Go to ladypotions.com and click on the banner at the top of the page to sign up. We'll see you on the inside.